one. What's up, Michelle? Hi, Aaron. <laughs> Welcome to the God is Awesome podcast. I'm super happy to have you here. Um, if you are joining us out there, my name is Aaron, and we found a podcast that interviews regular everyday Christians about uh, not so regular, actually extraordinary God. And today on our podcast, we have Michelle Miller. Uh, but before, before we get started with her testimony, if you find, you know, like this testimony is helpful to you or blessing you, please like and share and follow us and subscribe and all that stuff to whatever thing you're streaming us on um, in the first place. Anyway, uh, Michelle, thanks for joining us on this podcast. Um, yeah, of course. We're going to have you on. Uh, we're basically going to start with your origin story. Um, how'd you grow up? Uh, all the way to like how God, you know, saved me. Okay. So I was born in upstate New York in uh, really just a little small town. We went to a Catholic church. I was brought up Catholic and for most of my life, I want to say probably until I was like in junior high, it was so small that I, I never even knew there were any other churches other than this one little church that we went to every Sunday. So then I came to Florida when I was 14 years old and it was a whole new culture shock of di not only different cultures, but different religions and things that, you know, I never really knew when I was growing up, you know, didn't see in New York, but. What kind of uh, church did you grow up in? It was a little small Catholic church. It was a city that was, you know, not very diverse. It was just mostly Italian Catholics. And, mm -hmm. you know, we were very, close family but that was you know all we really knew then yeah so then you came down to florida and you saw all kinds of ethnicity culture yeah. background yeah. so i came to florida and i needed a part-time job when i was 14 years old and my first job was at a jewish bagel store so i went from like not even really knowing anything about any other face to like being you know completely um you know, in this whole new culture and learning um, this new religion. And so it was really different, but it was really good for me to see eye-opening to see not only were there more people in the world than just Catholics and, you know, now I met all these really awesome Jewish people and then, you know, saw the, a much bigger picture. <laughs> How did that change you growing up? Well, uh, I, I think that in one way, growing up as a Catholic and you know going to church every Sunday, it did at least it gave me a foundation of knowing who God was. Like I knew who He was conceptually, I knew who He was. You know, mm -hmm. it was cultural. It was very cultural, just part of you know what what our family did, but not really knowing why. Mm -hmm. And so it was a it was a basis for that, I think, but it wasn't anything that ever went any deeper than very surface it was very ceremonial it was very um you know every week you kind of knew what you were going to get it was the same thing there wasn't any experience that went along any relationship that went along with it gotcha you just understand what was happening exactly and then when we came to florida again i was in middle school and we continued going to a catholic church and um, like in the coral springs area but then I started to think like probably when I was in my late teens, like, 
okay, there has to be like a little bit more to this. Like what is, you know, again, finding out about, you know, not only Catholics, but there's this whole section of Christianity that doesn't fit into this particular church that we go to. So what's the difference between it? And like, what's the difference between what we believe and what somebody who in the Christian church down the street believes? So I started like on this journey about it and even went to the priest once and asked like, well, what is the difference between a Catholic and a Christian? Mm -hmm. And I mean, his answer was just, you know, kind of like, oh, it's just, you know, whatever. Kind of like we don't really bother too much with anybody else out of here. So I was like, yeah, that's probably not the best answer. So I kind of just stayed on that road a little bit and then it did wasn't that, really- Did that answer satisfy you? Like, No, I, it, I, I remember thinking like, you know, at least give me a, I kind of felt like it was like a blow off, like, you know, well, we probably hear this question all the time and, you know, so I, I left there thinking like there has to be a better answer. There has to be something more. I still didn't have like the piece of like, oh, well, if I should stay here and continue in this church, like he never gave me the reason why I should do that, you know? Yeah. And again, I felt like ceremonially there was a really beautiful part of like the service and, but it never went any deeper. And I think I was always looking for something deeper than that. Even, even though I didn't really know what it was at that time, but I mean, now I know what it was. It was, you know, God calling me to that, but at that time I didn't know that. Gotcha. So, how, how where did that journey take you? Um, I'm guessing you were like 16, you said, teenager. Yeah, I was. I was yeah, like um, 16, 17 years old, and then it wasn't until I met my husband when, and he was a Baptist, and he brought me to this little Baptist church that I really started to see like, you know what it meant what this relationship was mm -hmm. what what aspects about the baptist church did it did it resonate with you about a relationship mm -hmm. it was just so different even from the beginning of like you know being in the bible and reading the bible and you know hearing it in again getting away from the whole ceremony part of it but entering into like not only a relationship at that time with God that I was just beginning on, but even with other believers, you know, like mm. it was just a different, more welcoming, like atmosphere, I think altogether. So did you not read the Bible when you were a Catholic or at least growing up in the Catholic church? No, did not. I mean, we, we went to church and, you know, basically you would read the homily of whatever the week was and that was it, but there wasn't any ever like, emphasis on we'll go home and read your read about it or read your Bible or go into a deeper Bible study. And I'm sure that probably does exist in some Catholic churches. It, it may, but it what just wasn't my experience. Hmm. So did you start reading the Bible or did you start getting more involved in the Baptist church? So I started going to church with my husband and hmm. we ended up um, getting married in that church. Okay. And I want to say, I think right after we got married that I got baptized in that church. How long were you, uh, I guess, dating uh, before you got married? We dated for a year. Awesome. So like, it's kind of like a evangelism, you know? <laughs> dating evangelism. Well, he likes to think so. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I, I think that I was really always kind of searching for something that was a little bit more, you know, a little like th there has to be something more to this relationship. Sure. Than what I was experiencing. And yeah. then um, right after we got married, we did a like a Bible study, like a marriage Bible study. And it was it was very good for us because it basically and for me as a new believer, like I considered myself a new believer at that time to really understand, you know, what the Bible says about like marriage and children and yeah. praying, so, prayer, all those things. So you said you're a new believer. When did you become a believer? Well, so at that time I thought I was a believer. So I, again, I was baptized, thought I was a believer mm -hmm. and I went on for many years like that thinking like, you know, I've, I've had a relationship with God and maybe I believe in my own way. I did have a relationship with God. And then uh, fast forward a couple of years, we moved to North Carolina and there we found this church that we became a part of that we loved. And it wasn't anything like I ever experienced. It was, it was a Pentecostal church, okay. but it was, it was also a very theological church. And I remember that, again, still kind of thinking that I'm a new believer. And this is like several years later, still learning a lot. I, I remember like right after when I first um, got baptized and after we got married, I had read, you know, just got any book I could and like just wanted to read and learn so much about the faith and the history of it and yeah, who Jesus was here. And then we went to North Carolina and we started going to this church. The, the perspective shifted because the church there was, the emphasis was much more on like holiness and like how to live a holy life and behavior. So it, it was like more, you know, if, if you're a Christian and this is a standard and this is how you should live. So I kind of went through this whole stage of, you know, conviction of like, well, this is the standard that I'm supposed to be and I could never be it. It was very convicting and, and humbling really to learn about, you know, the holiness of God and the sin, my personal sin, how that just, you know, could never measure up. When, when you say your personal sin, what, what kind of things came to mind? Well, I mean, so many things, uh, failures, just, you know, things that I had did wrong my whole life. I mean, just even, you know, the shame of going to church and living a life that didn't line up with what a Christian should be or what I thought it should be at that time. And, mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot of, of shame and regret over decisions that I made that, had I, that I didn't know better, or I should have known better. Really? Was that like, was it old stuff through your years or was it recent things? Like, I guess I'm just seeing if you get convicted by what you hear, like, mm -hmm. what was it that was convicting? Well, at that time it was just holy living, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, or the standard of, you know, being the image bearer of Christ and what that meant. And, if I'm going to be that, then how am I living in the world? So 
you know, there was a lot of conviction about, you know, the kind of person that I was, like, feeling just like, wow, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I can never measure up to that standard, like, that standard of holiness, which not, like, if I fast forward a little back, looking back, I think, like, in some ways, it was, it was just very hard for me as a news reader to kind of wrap my whole head around, but it was convicting. It was convicting in that, you know, we, it gave you a standard of, again, holiness and holy living. Mm-hmm. As being like the, the bearing the name of Christ and then having people look at you and saying, right. oh, you're a Christian, you're not a Christian, like having a judgment on Right, and then never. Yourself, actually. Exactly. And never really being able to live up to like what that is or what that means. Mm. Yeah. And so you, you talk about um, like your failures, right? How God has loved you despite that. How did, how did you come to that knowledge or realization? So uh, fast forward a couple of years after that. So we left North Carolina and ended up here in Fort St. Lucie. And um, it, it was through another church and another Bible studies or whatnot. And, and starting, I started listening to different preachers and started um, listening to to uh, to more like what is the theology behind my faith and you know again why do I believe the way I believe and then and what I said before like I didn't know then if I was I thought I was a Christian but I really wasn't but I really remember one day sitting in my house after really learning about sin and what that meant and feeling the weight of it like just so crushing to think like God would only let me feel a little glimpse of that because if I could feel the whole weight of it, I would just probably want to die from it. Mm -hmm. Whatever it was, like all the sin that I had in my life, I, it just crushed me to know like I'm such a sinner that, that a God that, that a holy righteous God would love like that at that moment blew my mind. I was like, what, how could God ever love me a sinner? You know? was, was it a general understanding of your identity as a sinner, or was it a specific sin that was crushing? It was, I think, the identity of being a sinner and the whole weight of all of it together, like the totality of just, you know, being a horrible person that I I felt like and, and I can't pinpoint it to like one or two things but I just felt like yeah I'm a sinner unworthy that, right just unworthy of God's love of, you know why would he love me you know it it the weight of that sin it just became real to me it wasn't like you know people say like I'm sorry for I like I remember growing up and and you know the priest would say okay so you're sorry for your sin so say 10 Hail Marys or you know, that's your penance. And I remember even thinking like, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Okay, so I'm gonna say 10 Hail Marys and say I'm sorry and whatever. Right. It, it wasn't a change, right? But when I felt that 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 day, like I felt the weight of my sin, like, like that's something that you can't walk away from and be the same, like you have to choose. Like I just, I don't want that anymore. Like I wanna be new. And I, I felt like that was the time where I became a believer because I believed that, yes, I was a sinner and I would never be able to measure up to God's standards like he loved me and he saved me. Hmm. So you grew up with a, an identity of a sinner, not an identity of a child who was loved. 
Exactly. And it took you this whole journey, years and flash forwards and all this stuff. And then you were, um, you started listening, just listening to a bunch of random sermons or where do these sermons come from? Um, well, just, you know, different preachers that people would tell me about and I would follow like, um, you know, Paul Washer and um, John Piper and, and like these preachers that I had never, you know, really heard of before. But then I just started listening to their sermons and it just made sense to me, you know, like, yes, I'm a, I am a sinner in need of grace. And I never really understood that until like I could feel the, what my sin was, because before that, like it it was just like this random, you know, thing that everybody experiences, but it wasn't personal to me. Mm. And then it, at that same time, I also understood the concept of, you know, you, we always also heard like, well, God loves you. Even in, in when I was, you know, started going to Christian church, well, God loves you. But when I finally understood like that God loved me, when I could personalize it, like, you know, when I can personalize God loves me, a sinner, mm -hmm. and only because of grace, then I think I understood that I was, at that time, I could say, like, okay, I, I feel like I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Christ because he has saved me from my sin that I didn't deserve. Yeah, that's huge. Because people just walk around with this, you know, identity of being, you know, unworthy, not good enough, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, uh, I can't be in the presence of why would someone love me? They have a hard time seeing that someone would value them, let alone right. God, right? Right. And then it just needs like the hammer from Paul Washer and from John Piper, like the gospel, just a bunch of grace hammered to you saying, like, oh man, this is just, it's just all in God. That's what I think makes it right. Awesome, right. It's just not us. Right. How, where does that take you? Um, in your journey now, like you're you're developing this understanding that you're a loved child of God, um, and so how does that into like unfaithfulness to God? Because I still feel like in my journey in my you know life so far that even though like I understand that I still consistently fail and consistently think like wow I'm so like I, I still struggle with that like why would God love me when I you know, I can't even make a day without failing him on some level, you mm -hmm. know. And then again, I have to keep, continue to remind myself, like, well, that's only the grace of God to do that. And, yeah. But I, I continually think, like, okay, I, I fail and fail and fail. And why, and why would he continue to forgive me for that? Yeah. What is the level that you fail at? Like, give me some, some, something specific. Like, is it is it parenting? Is it you know, wife or, or church? Or well, I, I would say definitely as a mother, as a wife, um, as a mother, you know, going through those failures of did I do enough? Like, we're just now getting into like an empty nest. Like, we're our daughter's getting ready to graduate from high school, so we'll be empty nesters. Mm -hmm. So looking back and thinking like. Did I do everything that I could have done? Like, what could I have did more? Did these things that are they're going through, is it because I did something wrong to them or I wasn't good enough? And in my marriage, which, you know, God has blessed me with a, a, a very godly husband. And to think that 
there were times where I, you know, didn't do everything that I could have to make our marriage stronger or to, you know, to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. All those personal failures that, you know, I struggle with, like, I struggle with, I continually fail on whatever level, but again, I know God is gracious enough to forgive me. You know, it strikes me that you have uh, such a acute awareness of your sin or sin nature, but it doesn't seem like that in most culture. You know, I don't agree with that, but I find that it's hard to show that someone is wrong, right? There's this postmodern thought of, like, you know, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. Right. Um, and you and you have this uh, awareness of ours, whereas most people don't have an awareness, or at least that I see in culture, don't have an awareness of sin. Why do you think that is? Why do you think you have such an acute awareness of, of your sinful nature and other people don't, or rather a lot of culture doesn't? Well, I mean, I think God has revealed it to me. I think that he has allowed me to see that. And, and, and even in little glimpses of it, because like I said before, I think if I could feel the weight of it, it would just be overwhelming. Mm. And I think, like you said, that we live in a culture today where people are just, um, you know, just do whatever you want, like whatever makes you happy, whatever feels good. And, you know, God will forgive you. So, so I, no one's ever that bad. And, and when I first became a Christian, I thought that too. Like before I, I I really understood sin, I really was the same, like comparatively. Like, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. But it, it's all the same in his eyes. And until I really could understand that just because I didn't do it, but I thought it, it was just as bad. Yeah. You know? For sure. How do you, if someone struggling with the same type of thing, right? Someone struggling with this overwhelming sensation or understanding of their sin, what would you say to them? Just to to pray that God reveals it, reveals it in whatever increments that that can be. But to always know that grace abounds. Mm. Because if not for grace, then I mean, what hope would we have, right? Yeah, absolutely. Pastor Michelle out here. <laughs> um, what do you think about uh, the, the differences between Catholicism and Christianity? Where is your journey landing theologically, your understanding of from anything from like order of worship to theology? Well, like I said before, being a Catholic, the symbolism was, I think, the main objective. At least that's what I saw. You know, I, I do believe that there's many saved people that are Catholics. I just felt like in my experience, the emphasis was on the the outward of uh, the outward behaviors and not the internal change. There wasn't anything that ever stirred me to change my heart or called me to to any kind of change 
And then when I became a Christian, I felt like that's not that that is not only required, but it's almost essential. I mean, it is essential, right? Like you have to understand that you have to turn away from who you are, you were, and you have to be the new person. And no matter what struggles that is, I mean, we're never going to be perfect, but we have to continually, day by day, try to be try to to fight the good fight. Gotcha. Did you have any problems um, letting go of uh, certain Catholic doctrines mm-hmm. and holding to what I think you're describing are Protestant doctrines? Mm-hmm. Well, I think just the cultural part of it, right? Because it's like so kind of indoctrinated into your head of, you know, well, oh, we don't take communion every Sunday, so why don't we do that? Well, that was a big difference, right? Like, why don't we take communion every Sunday? Sure. And, um, you know, some of the things where they did it every week as far as the ritualistic part of it in, in our christian church we don't really do that so in the there's so many differences but i just i felt like my heart my heart found a place to rest you know when, when i started going on this journey and yeah yeah resting is i'm, I'm glad you said that that's that's I'm glad you reminded me of that you know like when you work and you work and you hold up an outward image and continue to try, rest is like one of the best doctrines that like, it's like answering God to that specific anxiety, right? You're so worried about keeping up this relationship with God. And the other hand, it calls you to rest. How has that played into your life, that message of resting? Well, it's definitely something that I believe you have to purposefully do because, like you said, you can get so caught up into um, just so much busyness and so much always doing. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to set aside a time to do that. And and I think that keeping the Sabbath is such a wise commandment because it does give us a time to regenerate and, and refuel. Yeah. If, if, if there's someone who is out there who's struggling, who's coming from a Catholic background, um, I know right now is listening, they're from a Catholic uh, background. What would you say to someone who is trying to reconcile or trying to doesn't know what to do with being a Catholic and a Christian? Uh, what is some advice that you have for someone to help sort out a face like that? Mm-hmm. To begin your own search, you know, search for yourself and to open your Bible and read for yourself and mm-hmm. learn learn for yourself. I, I think you have to get out of the box, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Just read the Bible. <laughs> read the Bible, be in prayer about it, and, and ask God to reveal to you, you know, where it is he would want you to go and in what relationship. Because I felt like God was calling me into this relationship that I was that that I was longing for, like like my heart was longing for it. And it was like a journey that like I said, that I finally was able to to find and rest in this this love and this grace that I didn't know before. Yeah. It's amazing what happens when someone reads the Bible. You know, it's like God speaks to them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, is, is, 
we're wrapping up uh, our time together here. Is there any last things that you maybe left out or we could cover about your testimony? What's some of the bigger things that God is pulling you into right now? Where where you see yourself uh, here walking with God? Hmm. Lately, I have been thinking a lot about how we are as Christians called to be of light in a very dark world. And, you know, we've had some personal experiences lately with some darkness and people being in darkness. And I feel like we as believers have to be that light that shines to a dark world saying there is hope and there is freedom in Christ. Just have, have the, have the faith to believe that it is and for us Christians to be able to show that and project that. What do you mean dark? I'm not sure what darkness in this, you know, in our in our world, in our culture right now, which you know I just think sometimes is so dark and that, you know, kind of like what we were talking about, like just do whatever you want, or you know, being lost and not having any direction. But I think people are searching for that. I think people are searching for for that light. And I think and I hope that our call as Christians is to be that light. What do you mean? direction in life or purpose in life purpose in life and so purpose. this person yeah. that you have right is per, look searching for purpose are they searching for it in the world is that what you're saying yeah in in everything uh you know and in, in any ways to make them happy or you know to to fulfill their hearts with with just whatever will make them happy and i think mm-hmm. as christians we can be the light of things like what will make you happy is a relationship with Christ. Like we were saying, like to read your Bible and to have a relationship with Christ. Those are the things that we should, that we can find our purpose in other than the things of the world. In my opinion, there's just so much darkness. Yeah. You know, there's such a big um, priority on finding happiness, right? Especially for the pursuit of happiness. Um, C.S. Lewis says this thing about happiness that I really love. I like sharing it. And it's set, or rather Tim Keller. It might be both. They're like, <laughs> and then uh, another picture from me. And it says that uh, happiness can't be found pursuing it. Happiness is a byproduct of whatever you're pursuing. You, mm-hmm. And like you said, if you pursue happy or if you pursue happiness, you won't get it. But if you pursue a relationship with God, you get happiness thrown in there. Right. Um, or joy or whatever word you want to intermix with that. It's just interesting that the world or culture as you can see probably that you know it's selling us a lie saying hey you could be happy if you you know get happiness get this along with it you know it's just it's just strange the bible is backwards with that i don't know it's like a lot of us are confused sometimes i mean we get confused too yes <laughs> we fail that, that way all the time yeah well um i hope you continue being that light in that person's life and your family's life. Um, and I think you do, you do a lot around the church that, is, that goes unseen. So we're really appreciative of it. If you guys are still with us to the end and you really um, uh, resonate with this um, podcast, this episode, especially if you come from a Catholic background, which I know a lot of the, the listeners are coming from, please share and like, give, uh, give Michelle some support. Um, Michelle, we're going to wrap this up really quick. I got one last question to ask you. But before we do that, I just want to thank everyone for 
the support and launching. If you guys like it, please, again, invite some Anyway, um, Michelle, I have one last question to ask you. Why do you think God is awesome? Wow, that's a big question for a little bit of time. <laughs> I think God is awesome because he saved me and he forgave me and he loves me. Mm. Amen. Well, thank you so much for this uh, being on this episode. This was like, it was awesome. It was like heartwarming. Especially, I think, like, it's really relatable. Um, if you guys didn't know, like, Michelle, like, this, this, a lot of people come from a Catholic background, and not only that, from a, uh, a background of just not feeling like they're worthy or worth it or loved, can be loved by God. Um, if you feel that way, please connect with Michelle. I'm sure this is what it's all about. Anyway. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the podcast. We will see you on the next episode. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Bye.